to that text, Acts chapter 9, verses 15 through 16. And you're also welcome. Uh, you'd be a good one to look at. And actually, I'll just tell you, just that one will be on the screen. Why don't you go to Hebrews 11, verses 39 through 40. Hebrews 11, verses 39 through 40. That's going to be a better uh, text for you to go to, to look at the whole context of what we are going uh, to talk about this week. Um, we're continuing a series called Retro. We've been partnering with a, another church up in Cleveland, and many of you have been getting the weekly devotions. By the way, just show of hands, how many of you are getting the weekly devotions? Oh, Nick's holding up his phone. That's cute. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, that's what I meant. Daily devotions. Good. Well, thank you. That's great that all of you guys have been subscribed. Many of you have liked that, and many of you have asked, can we keep doing this afterwards? And I said, well... Somebody's got to put them together every day. So we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see. What, there's an app that they use, and, and I will definitely look into that. We'll come up with, with, with something for the future. And the more you keep asking me about it, the more we will likely make it happen. But um, I hope you're enjoying uh, having that 8 o'clock a.m. devotion each week and if you each day. And if you don't do it, um, if you haven't got it yet, there's the way you can get it. It's also just on our website. You get the whole month, though. If you click on the website, you can see everything for the month. But I, uh, we've been doing this retro series. And I've been asking you guys some questions, what retro is for you. Uh, we came um, home from Columbus last week, and we listened to 90s music on the way home. This week, we listened to 80s music. And I thought it'd be fun. I was wondering, real quickly, if you think of the 50s, What's a, uh, an, a music artist or a song, quickly, you can just shout it out, that you think of, 50s? Chubby Checkers? Elvis. Yeah. Who? Ricky Nelson. All right, 50s. Ricky Nelson was 50s? Wow. I, wouldn't, I thought he'd go that back. Uh, what about the Four Seasons, right? Are they in there, too? 60s, more 60s. All right, what about 60s? Four Seasons? Big Bopper? He was 60s? We don't do real well for the years we weren't born, do we? We just kind of guess. We just guess for those years who was around. They all kind of fall into that same category like before our time. The Rat Pack. Who else in the 60s? Huh? Patsy Klein. Good. Nobody said like Janis Joplin when I was at Woodstock or anything. So good that none of you guys were there. Hendrix. Okay. <laughs> what about 70s? The Bee Gees. Michael Jackson, yeah, I put that in the 80s. All right, 80s, 80s. What's retro in the 80s? Musicians in the 80s, come on. Def Leppard. The Judds, there you go. Right. 90s. <laughs> Anybody else? See, now they got quiet all of a sudden. Now everybody else got quiet. 90s. Garth Brooks, there you go. Cheryl Crow. All right, now how do we do when we do this? 2000s, 2000s. Oh, Britney Spears. Okay. I'm sorry, it just seems like it goes downhill. It just goes downhill about the new millennium. I'm not even going to ask about the next decade. But, um, well, you, we all have an understanding. My point is that we all have an understanding of what retro is when we put something into a decade and what that what the, those what that decade takes us back to even if it was a time before we were here we've learned a little bit of history from our parents from school we have an understanding of what that decade 
uh, was like. And what I've been challenging you with as we've continued this series is that we are at a time, probably more than ever, when everybody really just wants to move forward, get back to normal or get to the new normal, whatever it is. But I want to tell you and promise you that if we don't recognize the ancient paths, as it says in Jeremiah 16, stand at the ancient paths and choose. We don't recognize what is most important in our faith, which these we've been going through some fundamental elements that are old school retro concepts, not new concepts, old school retro concepts that we all must embrace or else the future will not be the future that we would like it to be. You know, I don't take lightly at all uh, the word that that Bruce and, and Pam had heard this morning. And when we hear things like that, we do just need to take a, a step back and say, you know what? You know, I believe rather than point that in another direction, or we, we need to be able to say, I needed to hear that. That the Lord loves me, and the word was a word for repentance. And I still need to change. There's still something going on in my life that needs to change. And so we're going to begin to dig into the Word of God. And I'm, this was, um, Brody had to grow up a lot to just, to when I studied this message and, and kind of come to some conclusions. Um, I don't, you know, I don't say this all the time, but this one's kind of deep this morning. And I hope, this is definitely an adult message, a message for, for every generation, age eight, 18 and up. And those of you who are here that are younger than 18, you're going to learn something. This is going to be a word for you as well. But let's prepare our hearts to be ready what the Lord wants to say to us this morning. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be the people of God who don't just hear the word, but we obey it. The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit, join and marrow. But it works within the hearts of men and women just like those in this room. And it works when we allow you, when we yield to your spirit and allow you to transform us. So, Lord, may our hearts be open and ready for you to do a new work in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Pam had read to you the chapter in in, in verse in Acts, chapter 9, verses 15 through 16. And our theme for today is sacrifice sacrifice. We t- uh, two weeks Last week we talked about loyalty. The week before we talked about devotion. And the retro theme for today is sacrifice. And here is the path. You put that verse back up there. Here's what we see. This is the base text that Harvest Ridge Church and, and us are using for, for sacrifice. And this is what is said to Ananias. This is what is said to Ananias about Saul. Saul is a guy who was basically killing Christians. He had just, I've told you the story many times, he had just received the papers in his hands to go to every church and persecute them. But while he's got privilege and and the access to all these churches, he has an encounter with Christ. He has an encounter with the living God. And all people like Ananias know is that this guy is persecuting Christians. And Ananias has this revelation in verse 15 through 16. This is what the Lord says to him. It says, but the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man, referring to Saul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now, there's a couple interesting pieces of sacrifice that are taking place in this text. 
First of all, we see Saul, who becomes Paul. Um, We see his sacrifice, that he is now going to lay aside um, everything he knew as a Pharisee, and he's now going to become a Christ follower. And now, where he was persecuting Christians, that movement is still out there, and he is now going to lay his life on the line to become a Christ follower and a very passionate one, as the Lord says, the things that he will suffer in my name. But Ananias is also making a sacrifice here, too. Ananias is making a sacrifice uh, for his very life because he does not trust this guy he is going to speak to. He needs a revelation from the Lord to have some confidence that he can go forward. And whether we're ready to receive it or not, not, we all need to have a heart for people not like us. We all need to be willing to let God do a work in the lives of those that are on the opposite end of the spectrum as we are. And this is what happened for Ananias. And if it weren't for Ananias, perhaps Saul would not have become Paul and the most influential writer of the New Testament which we hold today. It all began with one man named Ananias being willing to lay down everything that he knew about Paul, about Saul, and say yes to the living God and reach out to him. Now, I'm not going to preach on that too much today, but I want you to just chew on that idea for a minute. And so when we talk about sacrifice in the Christian faith, you know, what are we talking about? We're talking about laying down our lives like Paul and Ananias did, willing to do. Well, sure, but I think if we're honest here in America, that's not the, we don't have the same exact context as the early church. We never know, even just as the word that we got today, that that day may or may not be coming, coming soon. Excuse me, it's coming, but it may or not be, may or not be coming really soon. But we have an idea of what some basics to sacrifice are. And you've heard these things many times before. You've, talk, you've heard about, you know, time, giving of our time, giving of our resources, giving of our money, giving of our gifts, or even just simply learning how to bite our tongue and not say things that are going to hurt people and learning how to be kind. These are probably some things that you understood that when you became a Christ follower that you signed up for. Now, I'm not going to preach a message to you about all these things. You can find these things in Scripture. I think I've taught on these things in different ways many times before. But I want us to go to that passage in Hebrews 11, verses 39 through 40. And I think Joel can put that up on the screen as well. Now, open up your Bibles to the whole book of Hebrews. If you have a Bible in Hebrews chapter 11, whether it be electronic, paper copy, Because it's going to be important that you look back to what this is a conclusion about. Hebrews 11 begins with a verse that says, Faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. It's also been, um, in, in other versions, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And then the whole book goes on to talk about men and women in the Bible um, that were, were called, they call it the hall of faith. People who did amazing things for God. And we all kind of read about them. We already know about them. When I say their names, these names are familiar to you. But most people don't catch how this book concludes, how this chapter concludes, excuse me. And here, this is the, these are the last um, two verses of Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. And here's what it says. These 
were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Lord, help me to share your word today in a way that the people in front of me would understand their purpose in this life in a way that they've never had before. I, I need this for me because this is something that I don't know if, if any of you have ever heard before. Um, I hope the Lord allows me to communicate this clearly to you. See, here's what happens, guys. It says they're commended for their faith, and here's what this, this, this verse says. It says, none of them received what had been promised. Just sit with that for a second. So does that mean that God is a liar? They were promised these things by God, but they did not receive any of them. I mean, if to the theology student, if you're paying attention, this could really mess up your Christology. All your promises are yes and amen, except in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 39 and 40. It doesn't really fit the song really well, does it? So did the Lord fulfill his promises for men like Abraham, Noah, Isaac, Jacob, Rahab, um, Moses? Did the Lord fulfill his promises for them? I'm asking that you actually asking that question. I'm going to tell you the answer is in verse 40. Did he fulfill his promises for these people? Go ahead, answer that one. Is the answer yes or no? How were they fulfilled? The answer is in verse 40. Ah, it says, it says it pretty clear right there in verse 40. The word is in there twice. It starts with a U and ends with an S. Fulfilled through the next generation. And when they got into this, just like you and I do, that day whenever it was that you said yes to the living God, when you said yes to Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's a beautiful thing, but there's also a really selfish thing about it too, right? That now God is going to do all these things for me. And at some point, these great men and women of faith recognize that, wait a second, this isn't just about me. This is about him and the seeds that I am sowing, this thing that I am beginning, these promises that God is making to me, he is making to the next generation after me. And not only do I have a responsibility with the gifts and resources that I have been given now, but I have a responsibility to pass these things on. And it is through my passing on, this is a word for some of you that you've got to receive today. I am made complete. I am part of the plan of God. I get off my pedestal and quit making it about me and making about the kingdom of God. Now, if you don't get this yet, I'm going to, I'm going to explain it to you. It was about the next generation. So we've heard of those basic sacrifices of time, of resources, of, of, of money, of giving, and just being kind. But here are the bigger sacrifices 
of the Christian faith that I want you to capture with me this morning that are loaded right here in this text in Hebrews 11, but they're also loaded all throughout Scripture. They're almost kind of the things that we don't even want to accept, um, but, but they're loaded all throughout Scripture. And here's the first one. The bigger sacrifices, love, serve, encourage, and empower people that are not like you. It's all over the New Testament. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. You will receive power, Jesus says in Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria to people that aren't like you. Not only are they not like you, you don't really like them, do you? The bigger sacrifices of the Christian faith are to learn how to get out of our bubble to get out of our comfort zone of, of proximity of people that we trust, that we like, that we go beyond that uncomfortable conversation or we go beyond that person that I probably just stay away from. And don't get me wrong, if people are destructive towards your life, you definitely need to stay away from them. But, but the Lord is calling us to people that are not like us. All, if, if it weren't for the disciples recognizing this in the Great Commission and going to nations outside of Israel, um, it, we, we would not have the, the book that we have today. The gospel would not have been proclaimed and spread all throughout Europe and all throughout the world like it has been today. It all began with people being willing to love, to serve, encourage, and empower people that are not like them because we wanted them to have the Word of God, just like that person who... Bruce and Pam met this week that everybody else was annoyed by, and he could have been really annoyed that they were blowing him off and disrespecting them when, the, when his first message above everything else is, I just want you to know that God loves you. He absolutely loves you. Now, the second of these sacrifices. Stop being primarily a consumer and start living primarily as a giver. I know we've talked about this one in the past. There does come a point when we do say that we have enough. Now, I shouldn't say that. Most never reach that point is what I'm trying to say. But as a Christ follower, we need to come to terms with this reality. I think I've shared before, congratulations, all of you here in this room, you've made it. You're in the top 10%. No, not in America, in the world. You, you are part of the top 10 wealthiest people in the world just by being really in this country. That's how the statistics pan out. You have enough stuff. And as long as we continue to live our lives primarily as a consumer and continue to think about all the things that we need, we need, we need, we need, we need, we will continue to be consumers and we will never be givers. So therefore we will miss the ultimate sacrifice that the Lord is calling us to, to live our lives, to give. Last one. Invest in someone that is going to do something better than you ever could. This is where it gets real practical. Because you know when we're older, when we're 10, 20, 30 years older than someone, we know we know quite a few things that they don't. And 
that's very easy sometimes to have a condescending attitude like, ah, you just don't get it yet. Well, duh. <laughs> There's no historical revelation there. But what are all the things that at this point in your life that you've come to, you realize that you've missed? That you realize you never got and that you had to learn the hard way. That if you could help them and invest in them and empower them and encourage them, they can grow in a way and do the things that you never thought you ever could. You have the ability and the power to sow into them. Now this goes all the way back to Hebrews 11. This is what all these pioneers were doing. They were setting you and I up. They were setting all of us up for Christ to come. And then just as the early church, which we're studying weekly here, they all set us up as well so that we could have the freedoms. They, were, they died for preaching the gospel. Here we are standing here with a microphone, probably talking way too loud for all of you right now. And nobody's going to come in here and, and shoot me for preaching the gospel because of the freedom that we have. Because somebody else cared enough about this message that they can invest in the next generation and imagine what it would be like. And so it went on from generation to generation, and people have fought hard for this gospel so that we could have the access, and in this nation, the privilege that we have today. I don't think you're getting this yet. So here, I want to show you these, three, these next three things. I came across this in some of my studies. That this, these are called um, psychosocial. I realize I'm missing the last page of my sermon, but that's okay. We're not going to get out of here any earlier. <laughs> These are called Erickson's final three stages of psychosocial development. Now, this is this is just psych, this is what you call psychobabble, but this guy discovered this, these patterns, these certain phases of life that people need to accomplish some basic things so that they can truly live. And the reason I like these is because they are 100 percent biblical. And if you're 18 or older, I'm going to hit your generation today. Now, most of them, there's eight of them, five, the first five of them uh, cover all the different stages from birth all the way to 18 years of age. So I'm just going to focus on the last three uh, this morning. And you're going to find all of these biblical truths right here. So here's the first one. Intimacy versus isolation. That's ages 19 to 40. In other words, basically what the, the, the struggle there is, you, at this point in your life, you have to learn how to love someone. You have to learn to how to have meaningful relationships that are deeper than just acquaintances. You have to learn how to have sacrificial relationships. Or else you will experience the latter, which is isolation. Without even realizing you've chosen to, you will isolate yourself from meaningful relationships. So at this point in our life, we have to learn how to love. We have to learn how to, how to sacrifice for the sake of the relationship. Um, I heard something really powerful just last night when I was watching, a, a, it was basically couples therapy. It's like live couples therapy is what it was. And what was going on was uh, this woman who is not a Christian, uh, not a Christian therapist, just a regular secular therapist, was realizing what happens um, at this point in life, and even the next phase that I'm going to get to, when people start to realize that they haven't accomplished all of the things that they wanted to in their life, that all those dreams that they had been empowered to pursue in their 20s haven't exactly played out like they thought they would. And now there's just this marriage relationship 
that all the weight of all of that seems to fall on, that all that pressure gets placed on that relationship. And I was thinking, wow, that's not fair. Like that, and that's not biblical. Because see, what the Lord has set up for us is we were created to have a bigger purpose even than within our marriage. We're part of something bigger than ourselves, that we have a deeper, stronger relationship that we're connected to. And so here, here is the next phase. 41 to 65, they call it generativity versus stagnation. This is really simple. When you get to that point, and if you continue to enter your 40s and even your 50s, and you continue, you're, you're, you're consuming all the things you have to get, I have to get, I have to get, I have to get, and you don't become generative, meaning you don't realize that you were created to give. If you allow me to say the word stinking, you will lose your stinking mind because this thing won't stop. You will just keep getting and getting and getting and getting and getting and wondering why you are not fulfilled. And Erickson calls that stagnation. Scripture calls that death. The difference between life, living like you're truly Zoe, the Greek word Zoe, like you're truly created to live, or death. So there's this generativity that we are supposed to start experiencing uh, at, at this point in our life. And then the last phase is called integrity versus despair. And that's 65 and up. And this is the point where you get to recognize, are you content with all that you've been able to do? And all that you haven't been able to do. Because your life isn't over. There's still so much more that you can continue to give. But it's not going to be in that, uh, that uh, accomplishment phase or career phase. It's going to be that which you can give. It's going to be within that which you can give. And you're still frustrated about all the things that didn't work out right. All the things that you didn't have or you didn't accomplish. You're going to be in despair. And I, you know, this is like a Captain Obvious. You guys have met these, you, you've met these people. You've met the people that are, that are at their, their 70s and their 80s, and they're happy people. They're content. They're easy to talk to. They're excited when they see you and encouraged. They just want to love. They just got something to say to you. They got a big smile on their face when you walk in the room, and you've seen others that, man, they're just mad. They're just still grumpy about something. And church, this is all right here in scripture. This is exactly what they said, where they were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You know what's, so I got all the descriptions of all these things. You notice what is not on here is what's in none of Erickson's descriptions are career and accomplishment. He doesn't use those financial accomplishment. He doesn't use any of those kinds of words. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean to say that we, that we shouldn't work hard. We shouldn't be self-sustaining. These are also biblical concepts. The reality is if you don't work hard, if you don't have some sustenance, you won't have anything to give. What we also must remember is that throughout the course of Scripture is that the majority were in the top 10%. Most of the, throughout the history of the world, most of, of the cultures were in such a class system that most people were incredibly poor. 
Most people were slaves in some way, somehow, or in servitude to someone, and only the top 1% could really have the stuff that you and I get to have every day, have the ability to pursue the things that you and I have to pursue every day. And so it was almost irrelevant the kind of stuff we get, the kind of money we get, but what was always relevant was what we were giving back, what we were passing on. Integrity versus, or excuse me, intimacy versus isolation, we must learn to love. Generativity versus stagnation, we must learn to give back. Integrity versus despair, we must choose to be happy with where we've come to and keep giving and giving and giving. And see, so this is what real Christian sacrifice is. Giving of yourself. For a cause bigger than yourself. And we have that little image there of the Old Testament burnt offering. Imagining, remembering what it used to be like for sacrifice. And all throughout the book of Hebrews in Romans 12.1, it tells us that we now offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And I've used that word as if it's a painful thing. But we're going to conclude service with my favorite song, since we were going retro. This song only goes back to like the late 90s, and I played it for you before. But it is a revelation that, wait a second, if sacrifice is what we were created to do, and the Holy Spirit is present within this earth, when I begin to give of myself, I actually feel whole again. When I begin to give of myself, I have some power that I didn't have before. When I give of myself, I can have peace that transcends all understanding. That sacrifice, it's almost as if the song is titled by Jason Upton, This is no sacrifice. Here's my life. Because God, what you have for me is better than anything I have ever attempted to pursue. It's better than anything I will ever obtain. Your love is stronger. Your words are deeper. And you are ready to move in my life in ways that I can never imagine if I will only let you. So here's the song we're going to conclude with. And you can, the w- lyrics are going to be on the screen. It's just off of a YouTube video here. And you've heard this song before. If you want to know what Pastor Brody's favorite song is is definitely this song right here. And I want you to just, before we, we play this, I just, if the, just in this moment right now, just for a quick second, just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to ask you this question. Sitting here this moment, what are all of the things that you right now want so badly that you can't have? What are all of the things that right now in this moment that you want so badly that you can't have? And I'll add one more amendment to that. All of the things you want so badly that perhaps you can't have right now. Maybe someday, but not right now. There's your sacrifice this morning. So when you listen to the song, can you place these things on the altar? And maybe with your soul, the Spirit of God, begin to you know, slice these things up. You know what? It's okay. I offer these things to you.
Joel, why don't you play that song? If you want to, if you'd like to come forward in prayer, I want to encourage you. Just we're just going to have this. You're welcome to come forward, but you can have it. You see, a moment of prayer, reflection. If you want to stand and sing the words because they mean something to you, it's a powerful song, and I know we've we've sung before, but let these lyrics absorb as you consider your sacrifice.
Lord, may this song serve as an anthem to our lives. Yes, we are called to sacrifice, but the, the more eternal New Testament truth is that we get to give you our lives. We get to experience your presence and experience the something better that others have passed on to us. And now, with just as we have re- freely received, we must freely give. Lord, help us. Lord, this is just a, a grown-up message today that, uh, that, uh, that I needed to hear. That you have created us to give. You've created us to love. You've created us to give. And you've created us to choose, not to obtain, <laughs> to choose happiness and joy so that our hands are free to serve you and give back what we have been given. Or may we learn to make the bigger sacrifices and may we be the people of God as we find this ancient truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Your benediction this morning reminds you you have the opportunity to give as the offering plate is in the back and the ark is there for your heifer offering. May you love, serve, and encourage and empower those who are not like you. May you live to be primarily a giver and not primarily a consumer. And may you invest in someone that will extend the work of your faith to generations to come. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.